Thanks. It's good, uh, good sharing on uh, the retreat. I mean, the, the, you, you're dealing with the classic challenge, right? How do you describe to others um, when God seems real to you versus easy to describe a bunch of facts, but when you encounter God and He's real, it's just hard to put words on it. It's like when you fall in love or something, it, it, it's hard to describe it, but you know that it's happening. And uh, so this series that we've been doing is we, we've been trying to press into this. Like if you were walking along with Jesus, if you were one of his disciples, uh, you, you know, you, you'd be experiencing this weird um, pull-push feel where you'd have a whole bunch of questions and Jesus doesn't seem to answer them. Uh, yet on the other hand, Jesus seems to have a whole other like agenda and uh, the disciples don't seem to get it. And there's this constant like disconnect, you know, so it sort of culminates in uh, the disciples, you know, getting super excited about what they've seen Jesus do. They've seen the crowds following, following him. They've seen all the miracles that he's performed. And uh, they're feeling, okay, I don't know where this is going, but it's going someplace good. And if it's going someplace good, I want to like have a good seat. I mean, I want to be like whatever government form, power, you know, I want to be on a throne right next to you, Jesus. You know, and so they start arguing like who's the best and the greatest and who deserves it and who's going to be in the seat next to them. And it's like, Jesus, like, you totally missed the point. I mean, like... You, you know, there's such muddle-minded thinking. You know, I'm trying to tell you this is what we're all about, and you guys are trying to think about how famous you're going to be, how great you're going to be. And and again and again, we have this, like, muddled thinking. You know, this, like, okay, we really need to know that God loves us, and then we'll make that into our own idea of what, what that should look like. And then God keeps saying, but let me tell you who I am, and... Let me explain what this looks like. And we sort of get a piece of it, and then we get all mixed up and muddled thinking. We, we go our own way. Uh, and so this series, as we walk with God, the idea is the more that we hang out with God like the disciples, we'll be like corrected by God, and we'll be experienced God's love, and, and then we mess up, and then God yanks us back again. And uh, in, the, in the process, uh, the big aha moment is, we get to know who God is. We get to know, experience God's love and His ways and His truth better. Uh, I've got a little video clip here that I want to uh, show you. It's kind of funny. Well, I hope you think it's funny. Uh, but man, this really is muddled uh, thinking. Maybe you relate to this. Uh. Please stop. Look, it turns out Allie doesn't want to know how we get here. She wants to know why we're here. Why God put us on earth? And she's waiting for Ray to answer her. What's wrong with you? It's simple. Oh, okay, yeah. We're going to learn the meaning of life from a guy who once threw his shoe at a swan. <laughs> That's called protecting your sandwich. <laughs> Listen to me. Here's what life is. You're born, you go to school, you go to work, you die. That's it. That's all. Cannoli Marie. <laughs> we do while we're here dad yeah yeah the big question is why we're here in the first place you know i've spent many a night lying in bed thinking about this kind of stuff life's imponderables <laughs> where are we where are we in the big scheme of things i think ali is too young to be worrying about things like this no i'm proud of 
thinker. I love it that she's such an independent thinker. If she's so independent, why can't she figure this out herself? <laughs> Ray, listen, just get up there and tell her that God put us on Earth to help each other. It's simple, it's direct, it's a good way for her to live her life. What are you talking about? That doesn't answer anything. Well, what are you telling me that God said, hmm, Earth, let's see, what should I put there? Hmm, that's your God? <laughs> yeah. No way. It's got to be deeper and cool. Hello, I'm God. <laughs> Keep going, Raymond. I think you're a wonderful God. Thank you. Thank you. So what did God say? Hey, uh, I'm going to put some humans on Earth so they can help each other. Or I could just skip humans altogether and go hit a bucket of balls. <laughs> oh, I know. It's all in the Bible. You ever think about space? What is it? Is it really endless? I mean, if you had a spaceship, could you go flying and flying through space forever? Why don't you give it a shot? <laughs> I'm not kidding around here. I mean, how could space go on forever? And if it doesn't, then what's at the end, huh? Stop it, Robbie. You'll give yourself a tummy ache. <laughs> what about the beginning of time? What was it before that? Before time? Nothing? I mean, what is nothing? How could there be nothing? This doesn't bother anybody else? <laughs> beginning God created the heaven and the earth okay 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 <laughs> let there be light it might take me a minute more. a minute more Marie religious scholars spend their entire lives trying to answer this question you're not just gonna flip through the Bible and find the meaning of life oh ye of little faith <laughs> that's in here somewhere too <laughs> What I like about that clip is it's like just going nowhere, right? I mean, they're asking, like, there's like good questions that are being answered, uh, asked, but like, it's just like total muddled thinking. It's like the more they try and answer a question, somebody gives a dumb answer and, and another profound question gets asked and oh, he's just like, at the end of it, it's like, okay, uh, where do you even start? Uh, and I think for many of us, uh, that's the way that we approach God. It's like, this is just so complicated. It's so profound. Uh, you know, where do you even, like, wh where do you start? And uh, so part of the series, I've been hoping that we can get to know who God is. You know, just like understand, okay, who is God and how does he think and, and what are his ways and how can we relate to him? And can we just like put aside the things that we can't totally understand and figure out and, and be sort of comfortable with that uncomfortableness? But can we at least uh, connect with the parts that we can understand? And there's a lot. And God really does love us. And we can experience that love. And, and God is interested in you know, the small details of our lives. And yet, on the other hand, uh, sometimes God just seems like distant and like, and yet, as we walk with God, as we try and experience His ways, uh, we get to know Him. Now, I want to sort of look at a, a few things which come up as Christians 
uh, that are just like muddled thinking. And uh, I don't know if, you, if this is pertinent to you or if you come across other people that are battling with these things or if this is something that you've given a lot of uh, time and thought to. Uh, but muddled thinking, there's just a lot of it. Uh, one of the muddled thinkings that I uh, think I want to talk about, well, there's a lot of things I want to talk about, but uh, one aspect would be, how do we know that the, God, that the Bible is inspired? Uh, I mean, can we, uh, can we read something that Jesus said and said, okay, that's Jesus, but what Paul said, well, he's not Jesus, so it's like not quite as important as what Jesus said, you know, so let's just focus on what Jesus said. How do we say, wait a bit, the whole Bible is inspired and it's all equal? I mean, how do we, it's easy enough for us to say, okay, we get it. Jesus, the Son of God, what he said must be like really profound. But what about Paul? He was just a man. Well, he has a couple of thoughts on that. Uh, firstly, the whole Old Testament was written by just men. And Jesus looked at the whole Old Testament and he said, this is inspired. This is God's word. Uh, uh, and then we have the Apostle Paul who wrote like most of the New Testament. And uh, there's, a, uh, uh, there's two scriptures which are pertinent here. One is 2 Timothy 3.16. And it says this, all scripture is inspired by God. It's all inspired by God. Now, when Timothy was writing that, he was referring probably to the whole Old Testament and whatever uh, scripture may have been uh, in its early form. Uh, but the New Testament hadn't been like agreed upon at that point. So maybe it didn't refer to uh, the New Testament because it wasn't uh, you know, one uh, book at this point. But if we look at, say, the Apostle Peter. Okay, so Peter hangs out with Jesus. He spends his whole life with Jesus. Uh, Peter is the guy that Jesus says, okay, you the rock. Upon you, Peter, uh, you know, on, on your expression of faith, on, on who you are, uh, I'm going to build my church. Now, okay, there's been different interpretations of what that is, but the point I'm trying to make is, from Jesus' standpoint, he looks at Peter and says, you the dude, and like this whole thing is going to work because of you. You know, like, you are one of the disciples that are going to carry the way. And he becomes, you know, a significant teacher and leader of the, the church in Jerusalem. And then he has a big like, conflict with Paul. But the upshot of this is when it all the dust settles, Peter says, wait a bit. That guy, Paul, what he said was scripture. In other words, it was inspired. It was equal to what Jesus said. It was equal to Old Testament. And of all people that should know this, when Peter's giving that endorsement, it's like significant. So we get this in Second Peter 3, 15 and 16, and it's kind of a longer passage trying to emphasize different things. But uh, here's what it says. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote about, uh, wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him, the wisdom God gave him. Uh, speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his command, uh, comments are heard uh, are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. Okay, so, and this is the result of the destruction. Okay, so he's talking about a whole bunch of stuff, but he's saying, you know, 
just like other parts of Scripture, like what Paul is saying is Scripture and other parts of Scripture, and <clears throat> that challenge still remains with us today. I mean, people like misinterpret and change it, whatever. Muddled thinking, just muddled thinking. So I, I, I'm, I'm elevating this because again and again, we have to settle in our mind that when we read the Bible, we, we're reading what God is telling us. Now, it's a different debate altogether, like, okay, what about those in the faith? Do we... Uh, how do we all agree, or why are there so many different denominations and churches? Well, that's sort of like family squabbles. Now, you know, uh, y- so we've got all these different denominations. They're all because people are passionate about some aspect of Scripture that there's disagreement o- uh, on. But it's still within the family. It's still within the family of faith. Now, you can be Catholic or Lutheran or, you know, Baptist or whatever. And you can have different opinions on this part of Scripture and that part of Scripture. And they can be significant differences. But it's a family squabble. It's all like within the body of faith. It's, it's not like, you know, uh, okay, so just take one example, baptism. Okay, so I'll be passionate in this church. I'll say, to get baptized, you need to be immersed in water. Another church will say, ah, forget that. Just be a baby. We'll just like bless you, done. And and I'm like, no, 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 no. Now, in past, you start a whole new denomination. Like, okay, that's a big deal. Like, nowadays, you say, okay, all right. We we can agree to disagree. You know, we don't have to start a new denomination. But I'm still passionate about baptism by immersion. You know, that's the way it is. And somebody else will come in here that's a baptist and say, Great, Rob, we agree. And then if somebody else comes in here that's a Presbyterian, say, ah, you're all mixed up. I'm an Episcopal. You, you're like, you're totally missing the... P- okay, we can debate and squabble. But that's within the family. Uh, what I am saying is, uh, one of the other problems that people have is instead of like believing in Jesus Christ, I, I, I call it like Santa Christ. Uh, it's like Santa Claus Jesus. It, it, it works this way. All I want to see in Jesus or in God is that he loves me. And he's all loving. Absolutely true. But that's where it ends. Uh, It's like God can only be loving and my idea of how God should work. And then you fill in the blank about your idea how God should be loving. Like he should love, you know, however you think he should love it. Uh, So Santa clause works that way. He just like loves everybody, gives everybody Christmas presents, and, and you know, as long as you're not naughty and you're good, you get something. But uh, let me put it this way. I don't hear too many people when they have cancer praying to Santa, saying, Santa, you just got the power, man. I know you love, and you just like, it's like, no, I, he's like uh, uh, fake. I'm sorry to burst somebody's bubble. He's fake. I mean, it's like there's no power there. It's just like a weird belief. It's a myth. You don't like have Santa... <laughs> Santa Christ, you have Jesus Christ. Uh, and so our challenge is, like, who is Jesus? And, and, and how do we reconcile that love uh, that, that, that he has for us and what he's done for us? Uh, and so along that same line, we would, uh, very popular thinking today would be, look, uh, all religions are equal. They're all good. You know, it doesn't matter if you're Muslim, a Hindu, atheist, for that matter, no religion. I mean, they're all good, all good people. They're all going the right way. And it's like, wait a bit. I I know that's popular outside of church. It's popular in our culture because we're all trying to get along and we don't want to point fingers. But Jesus says that's not okay. And it's not the truth. And, you know, now this is where people are like, 
those that believe and they say, yeah, Rob, preach it. I don't hear this kind of preaching anywhere. And the others are saying, geez, like, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. I'm not feeling the love. You know, I, my definition of God's love is that he just loves the whole world. Didn't Jesus say that? Jesus did indeed say he loves the whole world. But that doesn't mean that like every path leads to heaven. Uh, that's the way we might want to interpret it. Jesus says this. He says, I am that way. He's not saying I am a way, you know, choose any other religion you like. That's a way. He's saying I am the way. And then he says, I am the truth. He's not saying, okay, you know, the Bible's true, but yeah, use the Quran, use some other, uh, you know, religious stuff. That's also true. Uh, he's, not, he's saying I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And then he says the most, like, hurtful thing you could ever imagine. No one can come to the Father except through me. It's very, like, exclusive. Now, we live in a tension because at the same time, we know that Jesus says, you know, I love the whole world. And he does. And he's also saying that nobody can come to the Father through him. And he also tells us how we can come to the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. But he doesn't, like, explain how he's going to deal with the rest of the world. And we shouldn't feel the necessity to fill in the blanks. You know, saying, well, we'll fill in the blank. Everybody's going to heaven because they're just good people. Or fill in the blanks. Nobody's going to heaven because they're not Christian. Jesus says the only way to come to the Father is through him. How he's going to work that out with other people, we have a hint at, but we don't have like specific knowledge yet. Now, I, I'm going to be totally clear about something. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, uh, uh, your Muslim boss or Muslim neighbor or Hindu neighbor or atheist friend is a bad person or an immoral person or a bad neighbor to have or a bad boss to have or some that you shouldn't hire in your work. I'm saying that that's not the criteria. I'm saying you can be a great good person, but I'm talking about a whole different thing. I'm talking about having relationship with God and eternity in heaven. Uh, and this sort of speaking makes us feel uh, very uncomfortable. So what I am saying is our job is to be like Jesus. we got to love people that don't think like we do. And, you know, my experience has been that many folks in other faiths have great morality and treat them, their, their, you know, friends and family like really well. Uh, I just happened to grow up in a pluralistic region of the world where, you know, we had Muslims and Hindus and Christians and atheists, like all living in somewhat harmony, somewhat harmony, uh, in the area that I grew up in. Uh, but, but we do need to be comfortable with saying, okay, Jesus, you sort that out. Uh, my role is to believe what you're saying in your word. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody can come to you, uh, come to the Father except through, through you. We also have to remember that Jesus says, look, the way to heaven is not like broad and all-inclusive and everybody's going and, and you know, it's like a big welcome party. He says, no, it, the road is narrow, Few are going to get in there. Uh, this is a whole uh, a different, different mindset. So I, I'm just trying to talk about some muddled thinking, you know, things that uh, muddle us up and get us mixed up. The other one would be our understanding of what offends God. Uh, I, I seem to touch on this topic uh, fairly regularly because I think we 
so battle to, to grasp it. But the idea here is we minimize the fact that God is perfect and God can only relate to perfect people. And we think that, okay, when we are less than perfect, it's not such a bad thing. It's okay. And God is saying, it's not okay. You need to be 100% perfect to have relationship with me. Not like, don't minimize your uh, shortcomings. Uh, they are a big deal. And don't categorize them and saying, well, everybody else's shortcomings are a big deal, but mine aren't. I didn't murder anybody, so I'm good. That's, that's A, not the standard. And it's not the standard to say, I obey all the laws of America, which you probably don't, but let's just assume you do. Uh, that's still not the standard. That, that bar is like way down here. God's standard, the bar is way up here, and it's impossible to meet His standard. That's the point. And as soon as we can realize, and as soon as there's a tension, and if there's not a tension in you, you don't get this point. There needs to be this uncomfortable tension that you are really rotten. I mean, how's that for wonderful preaching? Yeah, I'm sure you're all feeling so encouraged. You're going to say, I got it. I got the message today. I'm rotten. I'm feeling great about myself. No, the whole point is you are rotten, and you shouldn't feel great about yourself, but you should feel great about Jesus because He's perfect. And because He's perfect, we have access to become perfect. I mean, that's the Christian message. That's the gospel message. That's what gives us hope. It's not how great you and I are. It's how great Jesus is. And because He's so great, and because He wasn't like center Christ, He was Jesus Christ. He was fully human and fully God. And, you know, like, if we can, like, get rid of all our muddled thinking, and then we, then we understand the significance of what He's done and who He is. Okay, um, I'm almost out of time, and now I'm just getting going here. <laughs> That's all the warm-up to just say this is the title for today. I mean, like, a, you can see I'm backing into this, like, carefully. Uh, my title for today, where's my bulletin? I've got to find my title for today. No, God's kindness and God's severity. Okay, there, there, there's two things which go hand in hand. We can't only emphasize God's kindness and Man, it'll be a sad day if we only emphasize God's severity because you, you guys will clear out pretty quickly because I'll just keep telling you how rotten you are and how rotten I am and like we'll all just go home and suck our thumbs. It's like it'll be terrible. But, you know, it'd be like raising a kid and saying, all I'm going to do is I'm going to just beat the pants out of you to make you great. I mean, like nobody can sustain just like, you know, punishment, punishment, punishment. But on the other hand, just to say, okay, kid, I just love you so much. You can just do whatever you like and just do whatever you like. It's like, ah, that, that, that's not love either. That's like something weird. You know, there's a sense where because I love you, I'm going to keep you in line and keep you disciplined. God is both loving and severe simultaneously. And our joy and our delight is to experience God's love. And then when God does discipline us, we don't see it because he hates us. We see it because He's trying to like access us, to give us more love, to be more gracious towards us. And he can only do that if we like more perfect or following him or leaning into him. He's not going to bless us when we do things which he says are horrendous or bad for us or moving away from him. Okay, so, <coughs> yeah, so let me pray. Jesus, uh, I just uh, ask uh, for you to help me to communicate today uh, your word how uh, lord that we can really grasp that you love us you're both kind you're good 
and yet you severe. So, Jesus, I just uh, ask that you'd help us uh, relate personally in our lives. What does this look like? Uh, and I thank you for this. Uh, in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, uh, all that build up because of this passage in Romans, and this passage in Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. Okay, so Paul, fully authorized, fully scriptural, fully, fully biblical. He says this, Romans 11:22. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe towards those who disobeyed, but kind to you if you continue to trust in His kindness. But if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. So uh, uh, let me just separate this two ways. Let's talk a little bit about God's kindness. Let's talk a little bit about God's severity. <clears throat> to grasp God's kindness, it starts off with you aren't really uh, that smart to be able to figure God out. And it wasn't your uh, prowess which connected you to God. It was God reaching out, connecting with you. That, that's the starting point. So we, we see this in the, the, the great book in the Old Testament, Exodus. Now, if you're reading through the Bible, if you're following that Bible plan that I've uh, encouraged you to read, uh, you would have either read Exodus or you'd be in Exodus. And uh, here's sort of the... Uh, the Cliff Notes uh, version of, of Exodus, the point that I want you to get out of this. Uh, the Jewish people uh, weren't like this extraordinary, powerful uh, people group that deserved uh, to receive God's praise. I if that was the people group, it would have been the Egyptians. They were powerful. They had done a whole bunch of things. They were like prosperous. They were building all sorts of incredible things. They were a dominant empire. If they were going to deserve, they would have been the deserving group. No, God chose the Jewish people who were slaves living in Egypt, who had nothing to offer, who were like nothing. And the whole point was God was saying, this is what I want to prove. This is what I want to show the world. And it's the true then as it is today. I reach out, God, I reach out to the Jewish people and I am going to make them a special people. Uh, it's all God. It's nothing to do with the Jewish people. Then God goes through uh, like steps and phases of demonstrating how powerful he is, that he can actually do this. He removes the Jewish people uh, out of Egypt, Exodus, and through all sorts of miracles, or like, like real miracles, uh, they get out of, of Egypt. And by the time they leave, they are rich. They have been like the Egyptians are like giving them everything. They're giving them the money, their food, their clothes, and they're like kicking him out. And it's like, just like go and, and leave us alone. I mean, they leave a totally different nation. And then you, you read this sort of painful uh, account. And the accounts go like this. Uh, God does some supernatural miracle and everything's going well for the, the people, the Jewish people. And then there's some small little test and they fail miserably, like they get hungry or they get thirsty or, you know, some enemy is going to be like getting close and they just like fall apart and they start complaining and they go to Moses and say, Moses, Moses, like what the heck are you thinking and doing? Why did you pull us out of Egypt? It was so great. We had food to eat. It was glorious. And now we're just going to die here in the desert. I mean, this, you know, story just goes around and around. It's like after you've read it by the end of Exodus, you're like so sick of hearing. It's like, people, don't you get it? 
It's like if you'll just like obey God, it'll go well with you. It'll be awesome for you. I mean, you can have the most blessed life. You, you can't even believe what God's going to do for you. I mean, you don't even have to do anything. All you have to do is have faith and follow God and believe God. I mean, it's like a tape which just goes around and around. The end of it, it's like, what's so complicated, people? And yet that's exactly what Jesus is saying to us. He's saying, What's so complicated? I, I give you a few like guiding rules and principles and things that I'm telling you to do. And, and if you just do it, if you'll just obey, if you'll just have faith, if you'll just follow, you're going to have the most awesome, unbelievable, great life. But if you keep inventing other ways of doing things and you come up with a better plan and a better way of living, and if you keep like changing who I am and you say, I'm actually, you know, if you're going to be God, God really needs to be like this and loving like this. And, and you keep distorting and changing it's not going to go well for you and so maybe like a good uh, visual picture is when jesus was physically on this earth he was walking with his disciples he didn't like hang out at the temple and then just like lecture people every week he, he was always on the move and so it's a good sort of visual picture that we should be following jesus and the point i want to make about this is this if you're not continually pressing in, if you're not continually, every day, regularly following Jesus, then Jesus is going to be moving on and you're not. There's no such thing as stationary or static faith. It's not good enough to say, okay, I made a commitment to Christ, I, I invited Him into my life, and that's it. There's nothing more to do. Look, Jesus is moving. He's active. He's going. The question is, do you know where he's going? Are you still following him? Because if, if you're not, if you're stationary, he's moving. And, and there's a distance that's going on between you and Christ. Or even worse, if you say, look, I'm just, this is just a bunch of, bunch of hooey. I just like don't get it. I'm not into this Bible stuff. I'm going to make it up my own way. Everybody else seems to be living a great life. I'm going to do their stuff. Or what's more often and more popular is, I'll take a little bit of Bible, the piece that I like, the love part, and all the other stuff, and we ignore that, and then my friends seem to be having a great deal going. I'll join in with all that stuff, and I'll hang on to God's love and God's hope, and it'll just be great. I'm telling you, it won't be great. It's going to be a disaster. It's like you're all in or you're all out. There's no like middle ground. That's Jesus' message. That's what he's saying. And uh, we look at great passages like this one in Exodus. Uh, Exodus 34, verse 5, it says, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And that comes in the context of repeated, like people repeatedly failing and messing up with God and God saying, repeatedly, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to be there for you. And if you want to use uh, Psalm 18, there's a note in the back of your insert. I'll put it in there for as under Bible study. Take Psalm 18 and just like meditate on each like verse on that and just say to yourself, how do I line up with this verse? You take it, do it, use it this week and just see, are you in line with the way David was in line? There's something in that where we get a handle on God's love, God's kindness and God's severity. You know, we, we, it, it helps us to do that. So let's flip over then to God's uh, severity or God's rejection. Uh, 
Let me read that Romans verse again to you, Romans 11:22. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe towards those who disobeyed. But kind to you, <coughs> excuse me, if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. The rest of uh, that verse in Exodus 34.7 also shows both God's kindness and God's severity. It says, I will lavish unfailing love to thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. I mean, this is a tremendous hope that we have. Exodus 34.7, I will lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. And that sort of Love of God needs to permeate, needs to be the primary thing that we get. But God also says, but I do not excuse the guilty. Uh, The Apostle Paul gave us this great word picture. He said it's an olive tree. Uh, And those of you that have traveled to Israel or if you've been on a missions trip with me to Spain, you'll have seen olive trees. It's kind of like an ordinary tree. It's not very exceptional, but it's a kind of a great image because Paul is saying this. He's saying, the Jewish people are like this olive tree. It's the original thing. And you know what? They disobeyed. And Jesus says, it's like God just ripped these branches off. And he's thrown them out to be burnt. I mean, that's a word picture right there. Okay, he has a healthy tree. But disobedience caused me to just snap these branches off and throw them away. And you and I, Gentiles, not you and you and you and you because you're Jewish. But us Gentiles, we were like, grafted on we just like stuck in there and we grafted onto that olive tree and God is saying to us hey listen if God can be severe with the Jewish people he'll be severe with you too I mean if he wasn't too slow to like rip that branch off he'll rip you off too and and there is this fear of God that is really healthy it's like I don't want to be ripped off And God is saying, I will rip you off if you disobey. If you want to be God, if you think you're God, if you think you got all the answers, if you think like you can make God into your own image, that's going to be a problem. But God is saying, if you will follow me, if you will walk with me, I'm telling you, your life will be awesome. You will experience my presence. You will experience my love. It will go well with you. In the end, in the big scheme, it will be a life which is rich and rewarding. That's the promise that Jesus gives us. So it's a great uh, uh, word picture, and I'll just read it to you. This is Romans 11, 20, 21. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. Don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the original branches, He won't spare you either. The point I want to make, my closing point is this. Jesus has made a way for us, and He has the whole world under His control. Uh, Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, You can only come to the Father through me. You need to see yourself uh, the way God sees us. Uh, What we need to do is say that, understand that God is not changing. God is not going to change. 
The only person that can change is you and me. And we either change where we become more like God, which is His plan for us, and we do that by following Jesus who is God and is like exactly like God, uh, or we don't. And Jesus is, is, is inviting us, and I'm begging you, and I'm encouraging you uh, to follow Jesus and live according to His Word. And at the same time, all the big questions that you have, all the things which really frustrate you, you, you sort of have to put them on the shelf and say, God, I disagree with you on this issue. Or I don't understand this issue, uh, but I understand your love. And I, thankfully, am not God. I don't have to figure this issue out. What I have to figure out is, what have you said and how can I obey it? And with that, God says, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help us read the Bible. And when we read it, it sort of comes alive. There's a resonation when we read it. There's something that says, this is right. And this is helpful. It's the Spirit of God connecting with, it's the Holy Spirit connecting with this, you know, Jesus' Spirit. We're saying, this is one and the same thing. And that was part of the process of how they decided what's going to be Scripture and what's not going to be Scripture. So Jesus is saying to you, follow me. Yes, you've fallen short. But yes, I've paid the price. Yes, you, you, we constantly come up short. But yes, I'm constantly there to help you. Jesus again and again saying, I will forgive you. I will forgive you. I am for you. I am slow. I have patience. Uh, but our joy and delight is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. So, Lord, I, I just lift up uh, this congregation, myself, Lord. We constantly fall short. We realize that. And, uh, Lord, I, I do pray that by your power, by your spirit, we would be convicted of how offensive it is to you when we fall short but at the same time that uh, we are inspired and loved by how awesome uh, you are to die on the cross for us to make a bridge to like help us out and to be with us and we thank you jesus that you've uh, given us your holy spirit so that we can be in connection that we're not abandoned So, Lord, we just give you our, our, our lives. Uh, we, we just commit again and again, like, okay, let's try this week, Jesus, that we'd follow you. We'd be in obedience to you. So, Lord, I just lift up your people. I just pray for abundant joy and love. And, Lord, that you are so specific. You know our most, like, minute needs. And, Lord, you've got us covered. So, Lord, I just pray for blessing on your people. Lord, those that are dealing with with cancer, those that are dealing with sickness, Lord, those that are dealing with uh, feeling rejected and not feeling loved or feeling abandoned or feeling hopeless or feeling like they just don't experience your joy or your presence. Lord, I just pray for your people today that they would encounter you and your love afresh. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Why don't we stand and let's uh, worship God. Why don't we have the worship team come on up.